0: This week, we're talking all about gold. I know you can get like a fever or something. I don't know, there's like some kind of fever. Anyway, we're talking about what it is exactly, why it's so valuable, and how long it's been used for money, but also what it can be used for besides money. Over the next 45 minutes, we're gonna dive deep into the history, chemistry, and more of gold. So now, some of this you might not have heard before, just so you know, it's gonna be awesome. Let's kick into it. We all know what gold is. It's familiar. It's it's shiny. It's kind of yellowish, but it's not really yellow, is it? When you see it, you're like, ooh, this is yellow, but it's not. It comes in nugget form. You can pan for it. There's a show on Discovery all about that. You can do all sorts of stuff. There even a gold standard, and of course it means that you won the Olympics. But at its core, gold is way more cool than all of those things. Those things are more like how we think of gold, but that's not what gold is is gold is atomic number 79 over on the periodic table atomic weight aka relative atomic mass of 196.9665 that's not super important for you to know all the time but it's kind of fun the average mass of atoms in an element make up its atomic weight it's a little bit heavier than platinum it's a little bit lighter than mercury but there are some other numbers that are kind of more important for us in this context gold's melting point is 1064 Celsius and its boiling point is 2836 Celsius. The reason you should care about this is because melting point helps tell us the purity of gold and you want to know that it's not impure. So if something melts over a large range, you know, this sample melts at a, like a few hundred degrees, this sample melts at 1064, you know that the 1064 one or close to it is very pure. Now, if something melts in a tiny little range, that's when you know it's pure. So it's the same with boiling points, chemistry, pretty simple. The more information you know about something like this, the more you can determine what something is made of. So gold came to Earth, and I do say came to Earth because it came from outer space. That's what scientists think anyway. Scientists theorize that gold is a result of the collision of neutron stars. Super dense stars. A neutron star is like the collapsed core of a supermassive star. So when a star goes supermanova, the outer layer gets blown off, and then all that's left behind is this small, dense core. It's not enough to form a black hole, but, uh, you know, it can't, like, disappear. So instead, it becomes this intense, pressured neutron star. Uh, It packs all super tight in there, it's like packing the mass of our sun into the size of a city, according to one astronomer. This forces all of these protons and electrons to fuse together, making neutrons, and thus a neutron star. So when two neutron stars collide, those two super dense things hitting each other, they expel gold, and if that doesn't get you excited about science, I don't know what it's going to, because two stars colliding and out pops gold, I mean that's amazing like 10 moon masses worth of gold. The idea for this came from observation of a gamma ray burst. Gamma ray bursts are high energy waves that result from explosions. It's a type of light in that it's on the electromagnetic spectrum. The burst or a GRB is named GRB 130603B. It came after two neutron stars collided, and that was observed by the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. The flash lasted for about 1 20th of a second, followed by a glow that didn't look normal. It was not a typical afterglow. And they said, hey, wait a minute. Look at this GRB, because GRB 130603b has something weird in there, exotic radioactive elements. And they think one of those elements was gold. It also had in there lead and mercury and platinum, but gold. So maybe this is where gold came from. There are a lot of gamma-ray bursts in the universe. Scientists believe that all of Earth's gold could have originated in these star collisions. Each collision, remember, produces like 10 moon masses. That's a lot that floats around the universe until it gets smashed into stuff. Once the gold was propelled away from the star, it was caught up in the cosmic dust that eventually made Earth. But it would only explain the gold that was in the center of the Earth, It was trapped within our planet. There are also heavy elements in the planet that were resulting of other collisions, and when Earth was a ball of hot magma, think of it as a liquid, right? It's this big liquid sphere. So the heavier elements are going to sink to the middle. So some experts say there might be 1.6 quadrillion tons of gold at the center of our planet because it sunk to the bottom, if you will. Surface gold is different. That's right, that whole time we were just talking about gold in the middle of the planet. The gold that you might see on someone's finger, or in your ear, or around your neck, or whatever it is that you're wearing around, that gold probably came from something called the Late Heavy Bombardment between 3.8 and 4.1 billion years ago. That gold likely came also from space, but from meteorites. During this time of the LHB, intense meteorite crashes were happening all over the solar system, including here on Earth and on the moon. A lot of people think that this is when the building blocks of life were deposited on the planet, but it also brought heavier elements, like, you know what I was about to say, gold. Scientists think this is where most of the precious metals actually came from on Earth, because if you remember from our previous episode, asteroids were formed when everything in a solar system started to coalesce, you know, they were all formed all of together, so similar stuff, and when that breaks off, it becomes a meteor, and once it hits our atmosphere, it becomes a meteoroid, It's ground, so on and so forth. So these things are made of the same stuff as asteroids, and asteroids have gold in them. That's why we want to go mine them. And this is how gold also came to Earth, only at the surface after we'd already become a solid. This is the gold that today we mine. There's a great quote from Dr. Mathis Wilbold from Bristol Isotope Group at the School of Earth Sciences, University of Bristol published these findings in the journal Nature, and he said, quote, Our work shows that most of the precious metal on which our economies and many key industrial processes are based have been added to our planet by lucky coincidence when the Earth was hit by about 20 billion billion tons of asteroidal material. It's a lot of asteroids, yo. Really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Because if those meteorites never hit, gold would be even more rare because we would only find it at the Earth's core. We can't go there to get it. I mean, it's not possible. So there are other theories, of course. The meteorite theory is a major one, but some think volcanic eruptions and explosions brought gold up from inside of the Earth to the surface, and then mountains were built over it over billions of years. But either way, The original gold, the gold that we had deposited on our planet, it was made in stars, which is just super awesome. You know that whole, we are star stuff thing? It's not just us. Other things are star stuff too. So since we started with the periodic table, let's kind of bookend this with the periodic table as well. Gold is AU on the periodic table, not like a big old G because the Latin word for gold is aurum. And I'm sure you wanted to know that if you didn't already. And then there's also fool's gold, which is a completely different thing. That's iron pyrite, which is uh, a little iron, a little sulfur mixed together. It's a color similar to real gold, but it's way more brittle and it breaks a lot easier because it's not super malleable like gold is. And often, if there's iron pyrite around, It's an indicator that there might be gold around too. FYI, if you see some gold, keep looking. So gold, obviously precious, not just because we value it, but because it has to be made from neutron star collisions, which is a pretty rare event as it is, even though, Gamma ray bursts are much more common. I mean, there's been a lot of them that we've even just observed. But either way, it's precious, and it's precious to us humans. For thousands of years, gold has been considered valuable. It's valuable because of the same reason that a lot of stuff is valuable. It's not common, right? Rocks are not valuable because they're everywhere. Standard rock, but specific rocks, like little diamonds, little gold, little things, they have value because they are rare, either because they're hard to find or because there's a manufactured market. That doesn't matter. For thousands of years, gold has been valuable. It was found in ancient artifacts as coins, decorations, signs of wealth and power. And it started that way. You got to get real deep into the history to find out. There is no specific thing like gold or paper money that holds on to its value, right? If you trade a coat for a fish, you might think that that coat is valuable because it's cold, but you might think that fish is valuable because it's hungry, right? You have a limited time to trade that fish for something and the coat will eventually fall apart. What I'm trying to say is bartering has long-term limits. However, when you introduce something that everyone can find valuable, like a precious stone, then it can hold its value for longer, right? Currency, is that. The reason we picked gold is because it's rare. You can't just walk down the street and pick up gold, right? You have to search and you have to dig and you have to find and then you have to process and usually you have to form it into something pretty and then you can use it for something and put value on it. It's not impossible to get though. I mean we think of it as rare but it's not impossible. Platinum, which is fairly common in jewelry stores today, is 15 times rarer than gold in the Earth's crust. But it's more valuable, but not practical to use as day-to-day currency. So gold is precious enough in that it's rare enough, but not so rare that no one can get it. You don't wanna make your currency so small that you, know, you can't even <laughs> use it, it's not practical. So gold is just that perfect balance between the two. It's common enough where we can get to it, but rare enough that not everybody has it. So if you look at the periodic table, Gold stands out for a lot of reasons. You can hold it, for one. I mean, think about it, look at the periodic table. Can you hold oxygen, or helium, or mercury, or krypton, all of these other things? Not really. You can't hold them, you can't grasp them, you can't show them off. There are non-practical elements in this way that are valuable, but you can't carry them around in your pocket. Gold coins work a lot better than a bucket of mercury. Like, hey, I like that coat, how many mercuries do you want? You know, it just doesn't work. Of course, mercury is also poisonous, and you can hold it. I mean, you literally can hold mercury in your hand. I wouldn't recommend it, though. Don't, like, try that at home. You also don't want to have a statue plated in something that can make you sick, like mercury, in something that's radioactive. You know, you definitely don't want that. You also don't want coins made of lead or vanadium or arsenic, because that wouldn't be good for your skin, wouldn't be good for your body. And so you don't want polonium, you don't want uranium, you don't want uranium. Long story short, gold, relatively safe. You can put it in your mouth. You can actually not just bite it, like you see in the movies to test how pure it is because of the softness, but you can also literally eat it. Gold leaf or very thin hammered out gold can be put onto food and you can ingest it. There's also false teeth. You can literally use gold in your mouth because it's not toxic to you. In fact, the most toxic thing about gold is the mining of gold. Gold is also not super reactive. Like lithium and sodium and potassium, they all react with water. If you were to drop potassium in water, look it up on YouTube, some people have done it. It is crazy. Iron, copper, and lead, they also react, but with air, right? Iron rusts. If you were to just leave an iron coin out on your desk for a couple of years, you'd have a real rusty coin, but you can leave gold out and it stays pretty good. Silver, gold, and platinum are referred to as coinage metals because they don't react with most things. Basically, if you have a coin that has value, you don't want that value to disintegrate before you can use it. Gold is good at this. As we mentioned earlier, Gold has also got a great melting point. It's very low in comparison to other metals. So you can make it into shapes that you want. It's very malleable. Titanium and zirconium have way higher melting points. So to form them into something useful is much harder. And early civilizations did not even have the technology to do that. So when they found gold, this easy to hold, shiny, pretty attractive, easy to form mineral, of course, It was just rare enough and just common enough that people could use it and show that they could grab this thing. They could hold on to this thing and show it off to their friends. It, of course, also helps that gold is pretty to look at. I mean, that has something to do with it. Humans like shiny things. Gold is extremely reflective, which makes it very shiny. And according to the Journal of Consumer Psychology, this is all based on an evolutionary biological reaction. The desire, wait for it for water. Their study got a bunch of participants together and they divided them up and they gave some crackers and water and they gave some crackers. Basically, they created two groups, one that was thirsty and one that was not thirsty. Not in the modern, you know, sense. They literally wanted water. They were also asked to look at pictures. Some of them were on glossy paper and some of them were on matte paper. Thirsty people, this is true, thought images on glossy paper were more attractive. They think researchers, I mean, think that this is because of the shine on the paper. It reminded them of water. Just to give you an idea of how kind of strange that is. Gold has held its value for thousands of years. The oldest gold coins ever found are over 2,000 years old. And there's evidence that gold was used in jewelry as far back as 4,000 BCE, 6,000 years ago in Eastern Europe. Ancient Egypt, they started mining and using gold and used it for international trade in 1500 BCE. The Middle East started using gold as currency and the Greeks in 550 BC did as well and soon societies in China and Persia and Europe, they were all using this common gold. South Americans started working with gold around 900 AD, spreading to Great Britain of course by the 13th century. And gold was one of the major reasons that people wanted to go and explore the new world. Also to spread Christianity, they said, but mostly really gold. One of Columbus's main objectives was, of course, to find gold. That was one of the things in the checklist that he left uh, with from Europe. He's like, okay, well, spread Christianity. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. But mainly this really big one, find gold. His original target was said to be, and I quote, an island of endless gold, based on reading Marco Polo's accounts of Asia. Of course, Columbus did not find all of the gold he wanted and instead found a bunch of notoriety for a variety of political reasons that are still debated today, including massacres and dying while mining for gold. And some historians say that a native's hands would be cut off if they didn't meet their gold quota. So, you know, things not so great in that way, but the world spread and started looking for gold in the new world. By the early 18th century, Brazil became the biggest gold producer and gold rushes occurred, of course, in the 19th century, but not just in the United States where you're thinking of it. It also occurred in Australia and South Africa, transforming those places forever because of this new economy of this precious metal. Gold is still, of course, a valuable commodity today. It's no longer used as a gold standard. It's not the backbone of our economies, setting the pace for the currency and such, but it's used to track economic health. Today, gold is used for a bunch of other reasons as well. Not just for wealth or jewelry or currency. It's rare enough but common enough that we've started to test it to do other things. Gold is mainly associated with, of course, jewelry and decorations and ancient statues and Olympic medals and so on and so on. Of course... Just sidebar, hang on. Gold medal's not actually solid gold. I just want to point that out. Not since the 1912 Olympics. They're actually silver plated with gold. So you're really getting a silver medal with just a little gold on the outside. But anyway, end sidebar. Gold is actually way more useful and way more versatile. Gold ain't just a pretty face. That's what I'm trying to say. The biggest use for gold is, of course, jewelry. 78% of gold mined every year is used in jewelry. Shiny, durable, easy to mold, rare but not too rare, and sometimes used with other metals. White gold is gold, silver, copper, and palladium. Yellow gold is gold, silver, and copper. But it's also a popular material for electronics and technology. The three most electrically conductive elements are silver, copper, and gold. But gold is used the most because silver tarnishes much more easily. Gold has a higher corrosion resistance, meaning that if you go to the store and you get, you know, a gold-plated HDMI cable or something, as much as that doesn't really matter, it more matters with analog technology than digital, the gold will be more reliable. There is gold in your cell phone, about three-fifths of a pound if you put a ton of cell phones together. There is also gold in calculators and laptops and televisions. And this has opened up a whole new market for people who wanna take your used electronics and break them down and take all the precious metals out of them. In a metric ton of e-waste, there is eight to 16 ounces of gold. That's a lot, that's a half a pound to a pound of gold. But of course, it's dangerous. To get that gold out of there, you have to use harmful chemicals. Things like hard drives and motherboards have to be put into acid so that everything dissolves except the gold. But when you burn or dissolve electronics, the acid doesn't eat it. It's not not like little gremlins eat the hard drive, right? It burns and dissolves and releases harmful fumes. But the VTT, Technical Research Center of Finland, they found a way to extract gold from e-waste using algae and fungi. Check it out, it's pretty cool. But of course, you know a lot of this. You've probably been to a store and seen a gold-plated headphone plug or something. But did you know that gold is also used in medicine? See, gold, again, doesn't corrode. It doesn't tarnish particularly. It doesn't react with your body either. It's used for things like pacemakers and stints for the same reason it's used in cell phones and computers, it's reliable, but also because gold Shows up on x-rays, which is really important when you're putting things inside of people's bodies. Doctors can also use gold to treat prostate cancer. They take gold grains and they insert them into the prostate. And then they use x-rays to find the gold grains, which gives the exact location of the prostate. It's very efficient. It's like a little like a little stain on a slide, if you will. People also inject or ingest gold for treatments. Gold salt injection was used as far back as the early 1900s to treat arthritis, or the swelling from it, anyway. This isn't, of course, pure gold, but a gold compound. It just contains gold. And people still get joint treatment to help fight joint pain and swelling. Doctors, though, aren't exactly sure why or how this gold seems to help, and it doesn't seem to work for everyone, and, of course, there are side effects. There's researchers at Rice University that are injecting people with gold-wrapped spheres. The spheres are smaller than a blood cell. And the point is, they go to a patient's cancer tumor and then they can shoot it with infrared light, the gold absorbs the heat, the tumor's temperature goes up, deforms, shrivels, and disintegrates. It's like a little Trojan horse. It gets in there and you can shoot the gold to heat that mineral up. Nanoparticles of gold get injected into cancer patients so they also gather inside tumors. They've been seen to act as antennas so they can concentrate radiation. That helps focus that so patients get the treatment where it's needed and not all over the place. They want to be more efficient and the gold is helping that because it doesn't react with our body. It doesn't make us sick. It isn't toxic. Gold is also used to treat something called legothalamos, that is the inability to close one's eyes. Tiny gold weights are implanted. This is weird, but it's true. In eyelids, because then eyelids are a little heavier. (laughs) In the journal AIDS, an arthritis drug containing gold was seen helping fight HIV infected CD4 cells or T cells. This stopped them from reproducing. However, the study was done with only six monkeys. So more research is needed, obviously. And of course, this is DNews Plus, and I'm Trace, and I love space, so we have to talk about how gold is used in space. Now, as we've mentioned throughout this, gold is very malleable. It's easy to shape. You can make it very small without breaking it. It's not particularly brittle. It sticks together very well, but it's also reflective and shiny, right? So that sounds perfect to coat things in space. It helps reflect solar heat and radiation. It helps maintain temperature. It also absorbs a lot of light. So what they do is they coat satellites in these very thin gold sheets. That way it doesn't have these blinding reflective spots that will distract or harm astronauts. Astronaut visors is a great example of this. They're coated in a thin gold layer to help reflect the sun's rays, but also to keep the temperature down inside of the suit. NASA sent a gold plated record out to find aliens. It's a copper disc, but it's covered in gold. It's called the Gold Record. On the record is the sounds of birds and whales and thunder and animals and music, greetings in 55 languages, and a set of instructions printed upon there on how to play it, including the cartridge and the needle. So if an alien ever found it, they could basically build a record player because they don't have like hipster record stores in alien communities, I imagine, yet, you know, until we gentrify them. And of course, Some people eat gold. Not in the ingestible, this may help my sickness way, but in the I'm super rich kind of way. Gold has no flavor, it has no vitamins, it has no nutrients. However, it doesn't react with your body, so you can just eat it and have gold poop, essentially. There is so much gold on Earth, but there is only so much gold, right? There's so much gold. There's a lot of it, but we only have some of it. So given the choice, I think I'd personally rather save gold for NASA equipment and electronics and medicines and things that it actually might be useful for, like things in space and whatever, rather than making gold poop or little trinkets that I put around my fingers to make people happy. Guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. This was a quick one. Uh, We thought gold was super interesting, and the more we looked into it, the more interesting it got, so I hope you think so too. If you think about anything that we missed or if you have any ideas for future episodes, Please let us know over on Twitter. You can also tweet at me if you have direct questions. I'm at Trace Dominguez on Twitter. Always out there, always available. Thanks again for listening to Seeker Plus, everyone. We'll be back next week with more deep research into our world.